Welcome to the Mining Your Business podcast, a show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. I am Patrick, and with me, as always, my colleague Jakub. Hi there, Jakub. Hey, Patrick. Today's episode is all about the order to cash process, process mining aspect, KPIs, use cases, all that and more coming up next. Hey, Patrick. So uh, thank you very much for the introduction, as usual. Uh, so today we are really talking about order to cash process, which I'm pretty excited about, especially because it's been a while for me personally since I implemented it myself. But I know you did it implement with one of our customers quite recently. And yes. hence, I'll probably give the word to you right now. So Patrick, okay. you tell me. Okay, well, yeah, like I already mentioned, today's topic is the order to cash process. So what is it that we're actually talking about when we say order to cash? You as a business, I mean, we could start with our coffee bean analogy, if you like. Oh, we do love coffee. And since <laughs> it's early in this morning, I actually yes. do sip my coffee right now. So I can really tell you how this coffee bean goes from uh, being a coffee bean into into my throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's quite a journey. So. Uh, when you want to sell your coffee beans, say you have a warehouse full of coffee beans and you would like to sell them to customers who are willing to pay, um, you will get an um, order of some sort of this and this many coffee beans. This can also start early in the process when a potential buyer would look for a quotation. How many coffee beans can I get for this and this much money? Right. So then you have your quotation that gets to an actual sales order when the when the customer says yes i would like to buy this right the order goes in and you obviously now have to fulfill this order you obviously need to do your uh, stock checks you need to do your credit limit checks your delivery checks and just make sure that you can get your customer his requested coffee beans right so once you have done all your checks you will then have a transportation method of your choice, depending on obviously where your customer is, um, package it up as much as you like, and then have your goods movement leading your coffee beans away from your warehouse and en route to the customer. So when I listen to you, it actually seems that there is a lot of dependencies on on this in, in this order to catch process. As once you get the the order. Uh, basically, it's not only on your, uh, let's say, billing department or, uh, you know, on uh, taking care of the order itself, but there is a lot of dependencies going into the plant management and uh, into into uh, pro- pro- uh, producing it in, in the factory and everything. Oh, yes. There's a massive interdependence between departments. And it's also very important for you to actually have these departments talking with each other within this process. Imagine that your goods leave your warehouse and nobody in the billing department knows, so they don't know when to send out the invoice. That's seven days or something that can happen where you just don't send out the invoice. You're seven days late on your cash and on your payment terms because uh, nobody notified you that the goods actually left the warehouse. Yeah. The the deliveries itself, that's uh, one big OMS usually. As there are just so many places where anything can get stuck. And it doesn't even like need to get stuck technically, but only like on the paper that somebody is not aware of something being already received. Yep, absolutely. 
Now, I obviously already mentioned it, but um, once your uh, delivery is out, you obviously have to give your customer an invoice for the goods that he or she bought, right? So that's another um, big task that uh, is more in the financial side and the starting to get into the accounts receivable side. The invoice has gone out and you are now in a period of your, your, your materials are gone, your coffee beans are sent out, you sent the invoice, and now you need to wait for your customer to pay the bills. And that is obviously a whole nother process in of it of itself, the accounts receivable section, where you have to record the payments that the customers make, the, your dunning activities, should they not pay, um, late payments and cash discounts that were taken, but they weren't eligible and things like that. That's a whole nother process that goes into from the invoicing step all the way to accounts being settled. Right. So uh, just to recap on that, uh, it seems to me that the order to cash process uh, in general, we can divide it in a couple of uh, phases. Like the first one being uh, the pre-sales activities. That, As you mentioned, there are some quotations. Mm-hmm. You might have contracts with your customers. You might have some scheduling agreements, meaning that your customer is expected to be delivered, uh, let's say, uh, one ton of coffee each month. Um, yep. So month after month, you are creating this uh, this uh, uh, delivery to your customer and billing him each month. Uh, so that's the pre-sales activities. Then the next one is actually uh, the most important for us in this phase, and that's the order processing. So what's going on within uh, your uh, sales department, how you handle the, the, the sales order so that everybody uh, gets notified, everybody knows what to do, you know where to send it, who to send it, uh, who should send it, and so on. Uh, the next phase is the order fulfillment, and that's uh, the, the, the delivery itself, usually. Mm-hmm. So uh, once the, the product is ready, you need to make sure that it's shipped from place A to place B in time, that uh, the goods is, is uh, issued and uh, sent to your customer and make sure that the transfer itself goes smoothly mm-hmm. and is delivered on time. And that's one of the most uh, interesting use cases in the order to cash process. And that is the uh, uh, on-time delivery, obviously. Yeah, of course. And then the last phase is the billing. And I actually was working on a process which was some kind of a, I would say, reverse order to cash, where instead of looking at the sales order, which I'm sure we will get into in a minute. I was actually looking as my leading element as the, the billing, so the, mm. the invoice, really. Yeah. Uh, which was a little interesting because then you are actually looking more on the accounting side mm. of the order to cash, but it was still not accounts receivable. So uh, definitely interesting point of view. Mm. And uh, that brings me again to, to the general just uh, process mining strength that uh, it doesn't really matter what it just, you know, you can pick any item that you are interested in and then look at how it does look from its perspective. So super interesting. Yes, of course. And uh, like you mentioned, you can segment this whole process into various sub processes, sometimes even helpful depending on your scope, right? Because as we said, a lot of activities and a lot of different types of activities from different departments are all in interplay here. So getting a clear view about this process can be a bit tricky. Right. Uh, so Patrick, if we go into the technical details, uh, what does it actually what does it actually mean and what do we do if we are looking at the order to cash process? 
Right. So in your traditional order to cache process, you would want to track the activities of an sales order item, right? So this is a line item in whatever your your customer has requested. In this case, it's our it's our coffee bean. So that would be our sales order item that we track along the process from quotation to sales order creation, delivery, shipment, invoicing, and payment. Right. So um, what are the, some of the things that we can track? Right. This is obviously important. We would obviously like to have some sort of um, entrance point into when the whole process starts. This can either be the creation of the quotation and then to the creation of the sales order. So you can see how long did it take for my quotation to end up becoming a sales order. Right. When once you have your sales order, obviously it doesn't just stop there. There's multiple changes that can happen to your sales order. Right. You need to go through a whole bunch of credit checks, a uh, delivery checks, um, stock checks to make sure you can actually deliver in the requested time period, so on and so forth. So there's a whole bunch of things that can change, be it the amount that the customer wants or the, the price that the, of the actual item that the customer wants. All of these right. things can change in this, in this part of, of the stage. Right? Yeah, the changes itself uh, are, are, are the tricky part because yeah. those are usually uh, the ones that are causing the delays down the road. So imagine that uh, you decide to change, uh, uh, let's say, a material or a quantity that uh, is supposed to be delivered to your customer uh, by the time that you've already created your uh, delivery documents and the delivery is actually already being uh, shipped away. And that's something that shouldn't really happen because then uh, you are uh, probably causing a lot of effort, unnecessary effort uh, down the line. And so it should be prevented. And uh, actually with, with process mining and science, you can easily track those occurrences down. Yes, for sure. Um, in the process that I implemented recently, it was uh, the case that when one specific change happened, and the change was when the the vendor would not update the the materials that were being sold on time. So sometimes they would just sell things that they no longer could sell because the the article just didn't exist anymore. Somebody just stopped producing it, hence they could not sell it, right? So they had an outdated list of materials to be sold. A customer bought one and obviously they couldn't deliver. So obviously they needed to have the material changed. They needed to now update the the schedules, the the price, the the quantity and all that sort of thing. And it took from a standard process of 20 days, it took 40 days in total. Massive amounts of time. Uh, a question regarding this uh, observation. Was it something that they already knew that is very likely existing in their process? Or was it actually discovered after implementing the process? Well, I so it was interesting. They knew that um, changes that involved material creation took a long time. But um, Stallone has allowed them to really view what the root causes of those changes are because you can obviously track what change initiated what change in yeah. your process so what you could really track down hey with all with like half of our material creations it the cause is hey we have an outdated list of materials that we're selling so that was an interesting thing that uh, they wanted to look at nice that is really interesting 
What else do we have there? Do you still remember any any other use case that actually you did for uh, the for the last customer, and that was actually interesting for them as well? Some uh, discovery. Yeah, it, for them it was was interesting just to kind of view it's the the returns because obviously you can send out your goods, but your customer decides, hey, this is damaged or the, it didn't get there on time or in some or fashion or form that they are not happy with, and they would like to send it back. Right, that can obviously happen. And when they send it back, you obviously have to reimburse them if they've already paid and things like that. So that whole process can just extend the order to cash by several, several days. So mm -hmm. they, months even, depending on when the customer decides to send back the goods. Um, and they wanted to know, um, what's, what's uh, the overall picture of our returns? Is it, are we talking about uh, a specific customer that always sends things back? Is it because uh, during delivery with one of our um, um, transportation companies that we hire? Is there a bigger rate of returns in some regard? Or can we figure out the cause of these returns and try and minimize them so we don't waste that much one manual activities dealing with them? And also just having to give back the money that the, the customer you know, has already paid. Yeah, I know that uh, sometimes when uh, the reality strikes when a customer sees the process for the first time it's like whoa i don't believe it yeah. and the first uh, the first reaction is usually that exact disbelief and uh once they actually start looking at the case by case which in this case uh, is actually represented by that sales order mm -hmm. and they start checking their erp system in this case very likely probably sap uh, they actually start believing it and start seeing some uh, previously unnoticed uh, occurrences of some undesired behavior. It's, uh, it's amazing how uh, quickly it goes from disbelief to uh, disenchantment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we set that up and we had our first uh, kind of view of Salonis and the things that we implemented. And um, I think one of the sponsors of, of the whole project um, really scratched his head at some of the findings that we had, um, you know, where we just, uh, they just ran out of stock at some point and just didn't refill for seven days and the customer was waiting for no reason whatsoever other than the fact that they just completely missed it, right? And this was a, a, a noticeable occurrence. Um, so there are definitely metrics that you have in mind, but once you get a clear picture of the as is you can really start making uh, value driven decisions in that way yeah we are now in the midst with uh, one of other co other customers uh, of implementation of a process it's not really order to catch it's more like order to make mm. and that's exactly it's a customer that uh, is producing uh, material that is uh, quite time demanding. So it's not that they can uh, just ship it the next day. It takes some time for uh, preparing and for creating it as well. And for that reason, they need to be sure that uh, their planning of the make of the material actually is uh, maintained well enough so that they have enough of time of actually producing the material and then shipping it to customer so that they don't actually promise customer, yeah, sure, we can deliver it in a week. And then they found out that they actually have to first contact their vendors mm -hmm. to buy all the necessary parts. And you know, it can be, it could be an automotive. Like if you are, uh, if you are about to deliver uh, twenty thousand pieces, or it's not really a piece, but twenty thousand cars, you really need to 
have your supply chain maintained to such a detail that you can actually know that you will deliver it in time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's if you're in automotive, you have your several products that are all, all almost identical in a way, right? But um, other companies, for example, they will prioritize some customers over others. They are higher profile. They have more business with the, with the company and so on and so forth. So they will have a higher prioritization on the materials, right? So all of a sudden, right. reservations on some materials that you needed for your sales order items are now just stolen by other ones. Right, And so this is obviously a, a place where you need to um, look at your stock and not just say, oh, we have enough stock, this will be fine. What, is, what are the odds that some other sales order item for this particular material might come in and we might not have enough? You know, these are trends that you can look at. They happen for specific materials or for specific um, customers that you have. And you can really see trends forming where you can make better decisions about how to stock your warehouses. Um, how to prioritize customers and um, based on past behavior, how you can augment your process in the future. And just listening to these use cases and to what you're saying, uh, if you are a big company, you need process mining, really. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even really need to do any, any uh, promotion of that. Uh, just knowing what is going on uh, in, uh, behind the curtain uh, and you know that you need to start tracking what you're actually doing. Because yeah. uh, being in charge for uh, maintaining a huge company of thousands of employees and uh, so many stuff that is going on in there takes a lot of effort. And you better know what you're doing. Absolutely. And it might not even be a big, big hurdle or a big pain point in your process, right? It's not that, hey, we are all of a sudden building 20 days too late or something like that. It can be tiny things along this massive process that can all just add up, right? If you can yeah. reduce the amount of manual activities, the, the throughput time of your process, make them a little smarter, make them a little bit more efficient, you can save a lot of cash, uh, manual labor, headaches, <laughs> and uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, that's also very, very interesting. I know that uh, sometimes when we are implementing uh, use cases uh, for the process mining, what we do is that we actually uh, put some number on each activity, meaning that we can track it uh, from the perspective on, as you were saying, the, the manpower that is needed to, pro to uh, create such mm -hmm. an activity. Uh, being a manual activity. So uh, if you are creating sales orders, you can create them either automatically so it's uh, some kind of a uh, trigger, trigger by the system, uh, or you can create them manually. So first of all, if you do them manually, there is some room for error always because we are just humans and we uh, tend to do mistakes, especially when we are typing uh, some very long number into the, into the ERP yeah. system. And what we can do then is that we just put a number on, uh, first of all, how long does it take? So let's say that you, if you are creating your sales order manually, it can take you, let's say, five minutes. And then you see, oh man, I'm actually creating 40% uh, of my sales orders manually. Uh, and if you have uh, 500,000 sales orders, that's going to be, uh, what, like 250,000 or 225,000 or something of sales orders being created manually uh, each year, let's say. 
you put a number on it, five minutes, and uh, oh, this is a mathematics. Uh, it's a bit <laughs> beyond my comprehension. <laughs> Uh, but you, you get my point. It's, uh, it takes a lot of time, uh, that is, uh, unnecessary and is uh, very easily or can be very easily automated because usually you, your sales orders come from some step before. And once there is this step in place, you can easily automate. And, uh, so these are the pinpoints that then on you can put some number on it. And you can either, you can just go to your boss and say like, look, if we uh, automate this specific activity down the line, we can not only save, let's say, those a lot of hours of someone's work or tens of hours, uh, but we can also put not only time on it, but also a price on it because the person who's performing this uh, uh, needs to be paid, right? And uh, if you can save uh, not only his time, but you can also save, obviously, uh, some money down the line uh, by not paying this person, but also making the process much faster. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so you've, you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. How do we measure the health, the, the efficiency of the O2C process, right? So we have KPIs that we uh, obviously have, but we obviously need to then figure out well, how much is this costing you? Or how much is this slowing you down? How long, uh, how much time could you optimize? How, how quickly could you get your cash? These are kind of the, the metrics that we need to talk about and kind of frame our analysis and our, our knowledge to kind of get some the required results, right? So if it is like you mentioned, we want to have higher automation rates, right? The manual activities... Yeah. The people doing them would probably want to do more important stuff in their day-to-day rather than creating things manually, right? So this is already one of the better things that we can look at um, automation rate. That's a good one. Yeah, the theme is usually very similar in any process mining uh, or in any process. Uh, there are a couple of things, uh, high-level things that you can always look at. And as you mentioned, the automation rate is obviously one of the easier ones. As each activity that happens in the system, so what we are really doing is that we are uh, looking at who performed this activity. And uh, to to pick up on the example I was talking about earlier, that was our sales order that was created by someone. And because we have this information of who it was created or by whom it was created, we can obviously track it down in the system and check for the user type of such a person, whether it was actually a real person, then we would have a certain user type, or whether it was automated by the system, then we have another user type. And from this, we can just uh, subtract the the ratio of automation and manual activities. And uh, just this is one of the strengths of Solon is that it's almost seamless and it doesn't even take much of an effort. So in every process, there are a couple of things that are always first uh, to shoot for automation being one of them. Another, uh, um, another is yeah. Sorry, sorry. Just to to get on that point about automation, uh, two things to note that um, actually we don't really see names in our in our analyses. That most of the time, usually companies prefer to have their their employees' activities anonymous. You know, it is a little br- a big brother in that way that you don't want to obviously micromanage every little thing that your employee does in their day to day. So when we re- reference the whom we are speaking about some anonymous person 
in in a company that's uh, obviously important um you know privacy and that sort of thing and um, there is usually sorry to sort to interrupt but there is usually there are four uh, letters that usually come up in the first scoping workshop and that's uh, gdpr <laughs> yes but the good thing if your business is based in switzerland then you probably don't care about this and we can go even with names yeah that's true that's true and um the other thing that i wanted to mention was that um, we can obviously look at um, automation rates and the user types. This was actually a point that was brought up in the last order to cash because we were looking at the automation rates and we saw that the user um, tables were just not properly kept. So we didn't have a real knowledge about who was a machine and who was who was a, a, an actual person. So that was another task that they now want to tackle is just kind of cleaning some of their data out and amending it. Let's say. Yeah, the master data, uh, <laughs> I would like to also say that you hit another nail right here. Uh, the master data can be tricky as well, because maintaining uh, master data is usually a manual activity. And we know what manual activity brings with. So uh, I know from experience that what sometimes can happen, shouldn't happen, but can happen, is that you essentially create let's say, two similar customers or two similar vendors with different numbers, but uh, almost identical or in, in technical, uh, it, technically they are identically. Uh, and then what can happen is that uh, one time you build one vendor and the other time the other vendor, while in reality it should be the same kind of vendor. And these are some inefficiencies that uh, can cost you a lot of headaches down the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, sorry, I was breaking up your, your flow. You were about to mention other KPIs in, in the O2C. For sure. I had there another one. And uh, again, that's easy to do uh, once you start implementing uh, process mining. And those are the throughput times. Because the way the process mining works and the way you are actually creating your uh, activity log, you have these timestamps of when the activity is actually performed, when is it happening. And uh, it's very straightforward and relatively easy to compare uh, the differences between the different steps of your workflow. So you can just right ahead, go and check, check uh, how long it takes between creation of your sales order until uh, your goods is shipped or uh, creation of sales order until it's actually built. And then you can see uh, where are the bottlenecks you can uh, just uh, drill down onto different kind of dimensions, check where it could be actually happening, and uh, see the most problematic ones where the activity itself takes a very long time until some other action is performed. And uh, you can narrow it down to like 5% uh, of worst performers and just go, go from there. Hmm. That's, uh, that's interesting. We also have the amount of changes that a um, process has, as we already mentioned beforehand, sales orders and uh, delivery um, documents, accounting documents, and all these things can be changed. And it is because of these changes that it's not a um, easy process to, to handle. Um, changes in price and quantity can obviously change your delivery times, and they have, can have a lot of knock-on effects. Right? So we would like to track the changes um, when they occur, at what point actions based on these changes occurred and how which how each action kind of cascades throughout the process. 
So you could identify specific changes that have a bigger impact and some that uh, are not only meaningless, like in a throughput time sense, but also just um, necessary checks. Yeah. Another use case that comes into my mind, uh, and that's, uh, I already mentioned it, it's one of the first ones that are usually implemented. And that's just a simple overview of on-time delivery. And that's, uh, uh, I already mentioned that uh, the time uh, information is quite easily obtainable. And so what we can do in Solonis is that we, uh, we really look at each and every sales order. Uh, and we are looking at when it was actually, whether it was delivered on time or not. And we can even play with it a little. So we can look at the early deliveries. We can look at the late deliveries. <clears throat> and we can uh, even create some kind of buffers in there so that the end user eventually have uh, a power uh, to... Uh, you know, uh, create some rules uh, when it's still considered to be early, when it's still considered to be late, and so on and so forth. So you just give him a yeah. very powerful tool in their hands uh, when they really can go down into the deliveries and use this process mining tool uh, as a reporting tool that they then uh, go to their uh, customers or actually their departments and tell them so this is why we are not performing well. And because of these late deliveries, we might be uh, losing one of our core customers. Because if you deliver late something that your customer is expecting to be delivered by that day, uh, that's causing a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. It's actually one of my favorite use cases because we can because it's easy. kind of... <laughs> well, 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 that and also it's it's also a very effective thing because we can kind of do a predictive analysis. We can say, based on your past data, this material or this uh, route or this customer, it is predominantly late. So we can kind of implement some sort of early warning system that as soon as the sales order cons- uh, comes in, based on past history, this has a very high likelihood or low like- likelihood of being delivered too late, right? So you can already kind of um, change some of your actions based on the, the specific details of that specific sales order to kind of prevent um, late deliveries, right? That's, that's beautiful. And then you can leverage all the strength that is uh, in Solanis. Also, you can just go ahead and uh, create those warnings uh, so leveraging the action engine in Salonis and just send emails to, to, to people who are responsible and uh, alert them on some undesired behavior that uh, either could or is already happening. And uh, funny thing, if uh, there this is this prediction that you're mentioning, what you can also do is improve it in time because then what the user can do is just track uh, whenever the alert was actually justifiable and when not. And just based on this input, based on this feedback, you can just go on and improve your uh, your algorithm, what is in the backend and uh, on the go, improve the whole process. Oh, yeah. You will start to see that the, the metrics that you use to measure your process health like these late deliveries will hopefully go from the red into the green over time so you can watch your business your process become better in real time yeah 
Another use case that uh, I remember implementing with one of our customers was uh, a very simple overview of uh, an open sales orders. So uh, what can happen and will happen in time that some of the sales orders are not converted, meaning that they uh, were not delivered and not built, or they have been delivered but not have been built and so on and so forth. Usually that's uh, quite a standard behavior because obviously uh, once you uh, create your sales order and let's say you already delivered, it still takes some time to get all the necessary information to your uh, building department and create an invoice eventually. But sometimes uh, things just get forgotten for whatever reason. And uh, you can then track down into your system sales orders that have been opened even for years. Can you, uh, can you kind of uh, give me an idea of why that would happen? Ooh, uh, I don't remember per se, uh, but I do remember that once we created this, uh, this report with one of our customers, we did have their sales orders of not really insignificant amounts that have been opened for, for like five to 10 years even. Uh, the reasons could be, I mean, eventually it could have been uh, just canceled uh, somehow, but not tracked in the system. Or it could have even been already paid for, but the, the invoice got lost somewhere. And so there are some reasons, but that's actually something that you have to then go on and track down in your system uh, manually. What you can do in such a tool as Solonis is that uh, you can get the overview of such, uh, such uh, occurrences. But the reason why is that happening, uh, you could obviously check your process uh, and try to find some pattern why it could be happening. But uh, most likely, it's some human error. Yeah. So um, incomplete deliveries don't mean that they weren't paid for or weren't actually delivered or, um, or invoices weren't sent out. They were, you just uh, didn't make the connection in your system, right? Yeah, true. All right, so um, a few more, a few more use cases here. We have the segregation of duties. I know you did this uh, some time ago with one of our clients, right? Exactly. So segregation of duties, uh, it's something you can implement again almost in any process uh, because what you do in segregation of duties is that you try to prevent some undesired behavior. And in this case, that is uh, one user performing uh, two activities at the same time that he or she shouldn't. So this could be, for instance, uh, creating uh, a sales order and then improving it. Or I'm running out of ideas right here. But generally speaking, it's something that shouldn't happen at the same time. So if somebody does one or performs uh, one activity, then the other, the follow-up that always needs to happen, should be done by someone else. And that is uh, mainly, uh, there are a couple of reasons, but uh, one sticks in my head, and that is uh, to prevent some potential frauds. Right. So you're saying some users cannot... Um, remove the credit blocks, the the delivery blocks, and the invoice blocks all at the same time, and just have this. Yeah, yeah. So it's compliance, uh, fraud detection, and a couple of other reasons that can uh, that can be deducted from the segregation of duties. 
and just to yeah just to preserve the system and make sure that everything's uh working as a clockwork oh yeah and this is obviously very important if you need to have compliance checks on the regular as some businesses are more prone to having them than not you obviously want to have transparency and um you know obviously abide by all the compliance rules auditors do like this report <laughs> yes they do <laughs> all right so i'm glad you already mentioned it um action engine right we can uh it's all good and dandy that we can look at the transparent process as is have our analyses have our kpis and things like that but what a really good strength is in Salonis is the action engine um so from there we can have our signals that go out based on the analyses that we create so say hey this is a sales order that is high likely of being late delivered so a signal goes out to some user informing them of an action that they could potentially do or they could help prevent something from happening so this is where we take the as is data and in real time affect people that need to be affected to um comply with um new KPIs or um prevent late payments and so on and so forth right yeah i'll not much i have to add to this actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um this is a, a a very big strength that i think we um we still have um because a lot of customers don't know that this is viable or that this is even a thing that they can actually implement some groundbreaking not groundbreaking but like effective change in their process in real time right it's not just a bi tool we can actually affect positive change and have an influence on the process as is through this action engine and i think we need to obviously make uh, customers aware of this and you listener out there that we can do this that we can help you in a way that uh, you know is a action engine, action engine. <laughs> yes coming soon to a process near you coming soon <laughs> Exactly. Now, these are obviously good tools, and I think uh, they have some some decent, uh, some good value. For sure. And uh, that's why I keep saying that uh, process mining project is not a one-time event, but it's an ongoing incremental improvement. So once you do the first implementation, it just opens up so many gates that you can go through and start focusing on and uh, so the main uh, job for us is to try to to maintain the focus of the people on the on the things that matter and try to go slowly with this so that you identify a couple of use cases and try to go and dig deeper in those rather than just uh, go many many directions at the same time and completely losing the focus yeah i mean that's why we often talk about the the process mining journey Right, because yeah. it is quite a it is quite a journey. It is not only for customers but also for us. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Right, Patrick. Uh, I think that's probably a wrap for today. Yeah. I think uh, hopefully the listeners uh, do have a bit better grasp on what is our cash process. And uh, if I would just say, if you have any questions whatsoever, just just let us know. Absolutely. Well, well done. All right. That's a wrap. See you next week. All right. Bye, Patrick. Bye-bye.